Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, what up, what up, what's going on? It's Frequency, producer extraordinaire. You're checking out the mixtape with my man Six Sense and Mick Boogie. Go for it. Yeah. It's your boy Success. Let's go. Uh, yeah, you know what it is. From the moment you come over the bridge, and I'ma show you some shit. Eight million roaming the strip, and I hope you ain't alone in the crib. All right, everybody. It is New York HR. It's Anthony Onesto. I am your host. Um, we are, let's call it a reboot. Maybe, you know, the kids these days, is it a, a reboot is what they're calling it. But we have a guest uh, today who was on our show before, and we've asked her to come back and talk a little bit more about certain things. So I, today, I'm talking with Lori Mazon, who is the co-founder and chief coaching officer of Sounding Board. Lori, how are you? I'm doing great, Anthony. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, no, I think you and I had really great banter um, last time. I know we had some difficulty, and so hopefully uh, we all have uh, better internet and better headphones, and we actually connected. So that was, this is awesome. So um, Lori and I today are, um, we're going to slightly call bullshit uh, on on what we call traditional leadership models. you know, in, in human resources for 20 plus years, I have probably put in place every possible scenario of leadership training in organizations. Um, and a lot of times what I saw happen is the trainer would come in, all good intentions, smart people. Um, and, you know, I'm going this far back, but, you know, they would hand out a, 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 a beautiful binded uh, document, um, a bound document that, that all the leaders would get. And I remember one instance, one company I was working with, um, I remember them going into the leader's office and it was literally collecting dust on his shelf behind him. This, this thing that I just so tirelessly put together, worked with a consultant. Um, and so the problem with a lot of traditional leadership models is they just no one ever used it. Um, so today we're talking with Lori. I, she, she has a, a company called Sounding Board. Um, we're going to, what do you think, Lori? Like, what what are your views on traditional leadership models, and why did the why did my manager uh, at the company that I worked for why why didn't he use that beautifully bound document? Why did it collect dust? Yeah, you know, I used to go in people's offices, and they would have a whole set of those things up there on a shelf that they never looked at again. Um, <laughs> I think the you know it's sort of like training is dead. People aren't operating in that format anymore like back when I was in training and development we used to do four day long training events even five days that's like unheard of now Um, and I think the main reason it doesn't work is there wasn't a lot of connection to their current work life it wasn't customized for the individual it didn't bring in their current concerns and worries and challenges and it didn't give them specific actionable um, 
behavior that they could try out right away and make a difference with. And so I, I agree. Um, and so what, what's the solution around like, well, let, let's, let, let's go with the first point. So the idea of going and training in a four day workshop or a five day workshop, I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. We would go off site or even stay on site. Um, why has that changed? Why do you think we're not, what was it? No, I'm not going to answer the question. I'm going to let you answer the question. Well, why do you think that's the case? I, um, you know, I don't know exactly, but I would, I would venture two guesses. One is just the pace of work life has picked up dramatically over the last 20 years. Um, maybe even the last five, 10 years. And people just literally don't have the amount of time to take out of the office for that kind of in-depth training. Um, everything is now in like bite-sized pieces, micro-learning, things you can do like in you know a short period of time. And you know it's almost like a cultural change. I don't even know if maybe the attention span People has like diminished over time as well. Um, and then I also think the work environment is so diverse now that out of the box training, where it's the same for everybody, just isn't applicable in all environments. Like back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the work environment was fairly similar. But now it's really different if you're at enterprise level, if you're in a startup, if you're in a casual environment or formal environment, every industry is different. It's very hard to have the same information going across, you know, the entire population of businesses. And you, you talked about, you know, the fact that it never really changed actual behaviors, or at least it didn't correlate. What Can you expand on that? Why, what you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think um, it was almost like a, just a thunderstorm of information that would come down on people during those days, one, two, three, four, five days. And I think what they get, a lot of it would just run off in the gutters. So I think they get a couple of gems out of all that time that were possibly usable. But because you're in this external environment and then you would come back to your office, say after a weekend, even by the time you came back, that wasn't present in your mind anymore. Uh, unless you're going to open up that binder, um, it wasn't going to come up to the surface again. And in the training industry, we used to do all kinds of things to try to get people to think about that material again, little newsletters and follow-up events and that, but it was really challenging uh, to get people to deeply integrate the information and be able to utilize it. It did increase, increase awareness and maybe, you know, fostered some thoughts for people, but it didn't take it as far as to change how they're operating in the work environment. And, and I, I, you hit the point exactly. I think, you know, uh, uh, Josh Burson, um, who, you know, for whatever you want to call it, I mean, people call it thought leader, just he's been in the HR biz for for quite a while and now is an analyst um, and has the Burson Academy. But he talks about this idea of in the flow of work, right? So being able to deliver the training that you need at the point you need it at the time you need it, right? And I think shuffling people off into a offsite or 
on site for five days when, you know, they're thinking about how to deliver the stuff they need to deliver and not necessarily having the leadership challenges at that moment for them to resonate, right? So you, you look at all this great stuff and, and trainers are, you know, depending on the trainer, it's really the content. Uh, then you're, you're thrown back into work and those, those things that you just learned aren't applied immediately. Um, where I think today, I do agree, I think people's attention span, um, and I'm one of them, this is why I do a podcast for 30 minutes and not 45. <laughs> um, but I think attention span is definitely an issue. So given all that, so we called BS on, on that. And by the way, that still exists to a certain degree. There's still some companies doing those things. Um, and so we, we want to we want to we want to wake them, right? That's what this show is about. We're we're going to say, you know what? The way you're doing it today, meh, maybe not is 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 not the right way to do it. Um, now we're going to provide the non-BS answer, right? So now we have COVID comes in, changes everything, accelerates a whole bunch of things. Um, everyone's now working from home. You're now a virtual leader versus a leader. Um, you know, even some companies who traditionally wanted uh, butts and seats as an indicator of productivity are now forced into this virtual world. What is the, what, how do we take this forward? Like, how do we think about a lead forward kind of scenario? So we, we've had the crisis leadership, and I'd love you to talk a little bit about your POV there. But even beyond that, now where do we go from, from once, you know, from crisis to, to where we are today? Yeah. I actually love that question because I think one of the keys is we don't go backwards. We don't go back to how it was before COVID or before um, Black Lives Matter or anything. We have to go forward. And these kinds of crises not only make an opportunity for leaders, new leaders, current leaders to step up in a new way, but it actually creates an opening for new ways of work. So just like uh, a lot of companies, have, or not a lot, a few companies have announced already they're not actually going to go back in the office. Um, Sounding Board was already a distributed team. We did have an office uh, there in Silicon Valley, and we we let that office go because we don't see that we're going to be back in one location um, anytime in the near future. And because of that, we have to think of new ways to work. Like, how do we have shared leadership or collaborative environment when everybody's virtual? Um, and one of the nice things about Sounding Board is we've been doing this already, um, maybe 90% um, remotely for the last four years. So we're actually have already experimented a lot to see what works, and we've gotten we've gotten pretty good at it. So what's what's I'm um, I'm now listening to this. Um, I'm a leader. I'm a brand new leader, and now in into this new space uh, of virtual leadership. What would you identify as a good leader? And and some of it may be very similar to what it was before, but what what does it take to be a great leader? If you were to sort of boil it down to what I like to call the McKinsey three, um, what three things would you suggest somebody focus on in this new world? Yeah, I actually think the leadership capabilities are actually all the same. What I think is different is how much more intentional people will have to be about it. So for example, if you're in an office 
and you can walk around and chat with people and kind of soak up the environment and, you know, what the, the feeling about things are and what people are doing and hear the challenges. And you just get that from being kind of in the milieu with all the people. Now, everyone remote, you're going to miss all of that kind of unstructured information. Uh, so you're going to have to find intentional ways to connect where you get the sort of below the surface information about what's happening in the organization. And that's going to take some thoughtfulness and uh, some trial and error of some putting some new ways to interact in place. Now the, I, I, and I, I absolutely agree in, in that. And I've seen that professionally here at, at Suzy um, having to leaders forced to be um, uh, intentional about their connections and, and reaching out to folks. Um, is there a sense, and, and I'd love your, your thoughts on this. Um, so there is a, there is a thought, uh, a thought process where not being in an office, you lose some of the serendipity. Um, have you seen, you know, obviously with the work that sounding board has been doing, but even in your professional career, do you think that's a huge miss or is it just slightly lost or how do you, how do you capture some of that that is lost in a virtual setting? I actually think it's like goes both ways. Like I do think some of the sort of synchronistic events that happen will be missed, but I've kind of found that it also allows for more individual thinking time, um, which then sometimes creates new ways to um, think about the business or collaborate with others. So I think, yes, there's going to be um, a pretty big hole there, but I think instead of filling up that hole, uh, sort of a new way of operating will emerge that allows more individual um, strategic thinking or creative thinking or bigger picture thinking to be brought to the table. Like in the work environment, if you're constantly down in the weeds because you're tasking with all the other people, it doesn't leave a lot of time for you know, that kind of thoughtfulness that creates new ways of working or new business lines or new directions or big strategies for the business. And so in, in coaching, like the, probably the number one thing over 20 years of coaching is trying to get people to take time to think strategically. And do you, and I want to, I want to touch on that a little bit, because I also would love to hear, um, you talked about being intentional, what other things you think uh, a leader must, must think about or, or get better at um, in this new space. But um, going back to your point in terms of thinking strategically, I have two philosophies around this. One is um, actually probably three. <laughs> um, <laughs> one is that you, you have some folks that are really good at the task of things and not necessarily can be strategic thinkers. So that's one, that's one issue. Yeah. Um, I think the other issue is it's easier, you know, if I, I, I have a methodology that I use for my to-do list, it's today, 
what's next and then someday, right? So it allows me to sort of, and by the way, the commonality in my entire life of threes, I have three children. <laughs> just, it's some, I love things in threes. I don't know why. Oh, um, I find so many things operate in threes. <laughs> um, and and so it's easier getting back to the to to the task focus. It's easier to like cross stuff off, and it's pretty satisfying. By the way, when I'm on that posted, and I'm like, oh, I got all this. I look back, I go, wow, I got a lot of stuff done. Versus yeah. thinking strategically, because it's it's hard. It's like, how do you then? How how does someone sort of transition from that tactical uh, task? to something that's more strategic is there any 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 guidance there or any any tips yeah there is um i actually think that is one of the key development areas for leaders as they grow like in the early days especially as an individual contributor contributor but also as an early leader things are more tangible but as you advance in your leadership role, things become more intangible and the value that you generate for the organization isn't around, you know, checking tasks off your list, right? It's in much larger things that have to do with strategy, communication, you know, power, um, price, a lot of other things as well. And all of those things are intangible. It's hard to get satisfaction because you never know when they're actually done. It's, it's more about progress um, versus, you know, a specific result. Um, and so I think in terms of starting to be more strategic in your thinking, literally the first thing is just carving out time. So having a space where you're not capturing a to-do, but you're actually thinking. Uh, and then there are models. If you're, you have a hard time knowing what to think about or how to think about it, there are strategic models that you can use that can work you through a thinking process. Um, and once you do those a few times, you start to kind of understand the pathway of that, and then you can just do it independently on your own. But the key part is just literally scheduling in, in time. It's so challenging for folks, like they'd rather default to the more tangible thing um, that can be checked off the list than the intangible thing where, whoa, I spent an hour thinking, was that actually really a good use of my time? And, and, and you're right. I mean, I think carving out that time for yourself on your, you know, another tactical thing to think about when you say carving out time is to literally do it in your calendar set up time in your calendar for, for you to think strategically, like block it off in your calendar. Don't just go, all right, I'm going to take three o'clock on Thursday. Like make sure there's no way for folks to throw things on your calendar. Um, the, the irony in, in what you're talking about is as a, as a growing leader in an organization, you are identified as a leader because you get stuff done. <laughs> so this is the right. irony that you're put into that leadership position and you're being asked to be more strategic and, and all you know is the task orientation because that's typically how companies think about leadership. Oh, that person's getting stuff done. Um, yeah. And that's often the mistake of, of identifying leaders in that way because it's like, hey, the person that gets stuff done doesn't necessarily is not the best people leader. Um, so being intentional, thinking and carving out time for strategy. Third thing for new leaders in this new world to be thinking about uh, in terms of expanding their leadership capabilities. Wait, can I go back to just strategy for one more moment? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of brain re research that talks about 
where you get new insights from and when you get them. And if you think about like the last time you had a big aha, like was it in the middle of your work day? Uh, I'm trying to think of the, my last aha. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm not that smart. Um, no, I, I think I was, ironically, I, I bike. And so I have a lot of thought process uh, around when I, when I bike. Yep. So what happens with how your brain works is in your strategic t- thinking time during your work day, it's like you give your brain a problem to think about or a challenge or an issue or future approach. And then in your non-business time, your brain in the background works on that. So while you're biking, you know, while you're driving, like where do people get insights? Like in the car, in the shower. Like one thing that's been lost with work from home is the commute time. Um, But insights happen during that time or in the shower or, you know, when you first wake up in the morning or when you're about to go to sleep. And so this strategic thinking time is just the start of the process versus the um, result like the result comes later as your brain works on that problem and then prompts you in probably an unusual time and space with something brilliant so that's interesting so you're suggesting plant the seed to maybe even take that hour to think strategically during the day and because you planted that seed at some point whether you're you know you're in the shower or riding a bike or in the car or wherever it is, your, your brain is still thinking through that. And yep. that's where, where the aha moment comes in. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Love it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep to my three here. Um, so yeah. the third thing that leaders. Communication, we said the strategic thinking. Um, I think the third really is the collaboration. Uh, one of the things I've really noticed over the last few years is employees now really want to know the impact of their work. They're not satisfied with just doing the work. They want to know how that work impacted something larger, something in the company, something in the country, something in the world. Um, and, you know, the sort of industrial age where I'm just going to screw a something into a tire every day a thousand times, you know, that just is not the way of work anymore. And so I think tying, uh, you know, doing a lot of collaboration and then tying people's completion of tasks to the larger vision, the larger outcome, larger impact creates that loop of satisfaction that keeps employees engaged. It's, it's interesting that you say that because there was a recent study done. Um, ben Weidman and David Deming uh, put out a research paper, <clears throat> and it's called Team Players, How Social Skills Improve Group Performance. And what they found was, uh, going in, leading on your collaboration suggestion, uh, is that team players actually add more IQ to a team's performance than if pure IQ. So Put it, put it another way, a team player comes on the team, has more of a greater impact on the performance of the team than if you just purely added someone smart on that team. Yep. So it's really interesting data. So collaboration, either at a, a leadership level or even at the individual level, is, is found to be super important. Because, you, you, you know, like 
you, you, you've been in HR, you know, okay, you're talking to a hiring manager and they're like, I want to hire the, the smartest. They never talk about, oh, I want to hire the best team player or the best collaborator, but that is a, a crucial factor in this. Right. Right. Totally agree. Um, and, and I think that kind of collaboration is going to fill up some of that space um, that's, that's missing there for the synchronistic approach that happens when people are all in the same environment. So you have good team players and you have ways for those teams to connect and work on projects and uh, together you're going to create, you know, sort of a, a double value there. Interesting. So I, I love, um, I love the idea of finding insights in data um, that I didn't know yesterday or, you know, a piece of information that in, in data that I didn't know yesterday. So I'm, I'm curious to know if you're able to answer this question. Um, so sounding board, <clears throat> excuse me, sounding board is coaching platform. I'll let you explain a lot more eloquent, eloquently than I just did. Uh, yes. But it's a, it's a coaching platform. What are the things that you're seeing from the people that are getting coached bringing up with like, what is, what are the main challenges your, your clients and, and their employees are having on the platform? Like if you were to name one or two, like common themes across their challenges and, and especially in this, this, let's call it new world of work. Um, what would you be able to answer yeah. that? Can you, you know, okay, cool. I mean, actually the three that we named, um, as well as the concept of what got you into that leadership role is not what's going to make you successful in that leadership role. Um, those are all common thing, themes. I would say the thing that's really current in the moment, though, is the events of the spring have had personal impact on people. And so uh, a kind of new hot topic in leadership development is really about self-management. Um, huh. How do you manage your own emotions, your own situation in a way that still allows you to step up as a leader in your organization? Um, and it's just so basic. If you are a leader and you have three or four or some number of children at home, you know, it's going to impact how you can do your job. Um, if you're heavily involved in some of the current protest movements or you're a person of color or whatever, it's going to, you know, you're going to be having your own reaction to everything. And that level of self-management so that you don't bring your personal feeling about things, your personal um, biases into your leadership is actually quite a challenge at the moment. So talk about, and that's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, I forget who, who quoted it, but the idea of when you're on an airplane and there's an issue, you put on your mask first, first before you take care of other people, right? Yeah. It's a great analogy. And I think that's where you're driving to. And, and, and it's, it's ironic because HR holds a lot of this stuff. There's, you know, I've always felt like HR needed therapy and, and coaching. And, and I don't think we, we always push it out into the organization, but never really utilize it for ourselves. And I think that's a, that's a great example, not only for HR, but all leaders, just self-management. And how do you manage these things? And of course, with leaders that are, um, you know, from underrepresented groups, there's more pressure on them, right? Their, their companies are looking at them 
yeah. for answers during a time where they're struggling themselves. That's one thing that we that we've right. heard, um, which was really fascinating. So yeah. tell me, um, we have a, a couple of minutes left. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Sounding Board. What are you folks doing now? Um, you know, what is it so people know what it is? Um, and then obviously within the framework of what we've been talking about today, what are the things that, that you're looking to do in the future with, with the platform? So, I mean, one, the name kind of uh, speaks to what we're talking about around self-management, just sounding board. Like, so this is a, a platform to bring executive style leadership coaching to all leaders and maybe even all employees in an organization just to um, democratize that um, access to development. And the first part is just the sounding board that leaders have a place to talk through and vent some of their own emotion about things and manage that so that then they can present their best self as a leader to their team or their organization. Um, I just heard a really interesting comment from an HR leader. This is in a, a very large company that just had a merger. And they said, like, oh, everyone is being so mean to me. And it was like, whoa, okay, they're not actually being mean to you. They're just expressing their upset with all the changes that are going on. So even being able to let people talk through those things and then reframe those and sort of step back into their role as a leader to respond to those versus react um, is really, really great service. But uh, in addition to that, the coaching just provides a very personalized, customized um, way to develop an individual as a leader. Um, we use coach-curated content. So instead of just Googling something and having you know, 200,000 articles on how to delegate, um, the coach you an article specifically for you and whatever is the issue for you around that and you can read one article and get what you need from that um, and we're doing a couple interesting things we started rolling out a group coaching model um, and that's really in line with our idea of making coaching available to everyone you know even on a one-on-one level it and an automated tech platform-based coaching virtually it still is, you know, more than what some companies might be able to pay. But group, group coaching is kind of the new training. You have a small group. It's peer learning. It's still geared towards the leadership capabilities. There's lots of ways to document that development and growth. And it's just a more um, time-limited, uh, peer-supported way to do some leadership development. And we also have a new methodology. One more thing, we have a new methodology coming out to start to track all of this as well. So it'll be visible to folks in the organization. That's great. I mean, I think that's one of the key factors. I love the idea of the group um, because you're right. It does get super expensive when you think about it on a one-on-one basis. Um, But I love the democratization of it because this has been typically things reserved for C-level executives that you're now making available um, to leaders within the organization, even, as you said, employees uh, and even growing leaders. Right. Um, Right. So that that person that, you know, we used to call him the craziness. You're you're in your time. 
day and you're never late. So now you're a supervisor. <laughs> it's like uh, you need this kind of solution for, for those folks. So where, where can people uh, find out more about Sounding Board uh, and how can they reach out to you folks uh, if they're interested? Yep, they can go on the web, soundingboardinc.com, and request a demo there, request information. And I'm totally happy if people want to reach out to me as well, Lori at soundingboardinc.com. I love it. I love it. Any parting uh, wisdom before we jump off uh, and the way the podcast ends, it just sort of just ends. <laughs> so uh, well, let's leave, let's leave it with some parting think wisdom. Forward. Yeah. Think forward. Don't try to go back to the way it was. It's never going to be the same. So look forward into whatever is the new way of work for you as a leader and you in your organization. Well, we'll leave it at that. No better description than what you just explained. Lori, thank you so much. Uh, second time's a charm. This was very, this was perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, great. Thank you. I enjoyed it. So folks, we have uh, our next episodes. We have a bunch of really cool people coming up on the podcast. We're going to be calling uh, bullshit on perks, uh, uh, company perks. So those folks with ping pong tables, uh, listen in. Uh, we're going to call BS on your ping pong table, and those, and and the next one we're calling, <clears throat> excuse me, bullshit on uh, benchmarks. So that should be a really, really interesting one. So we'll see you all real soon. Right. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.